0: This is the real secret of life, to be completely engaged with what you're doing in the here and now.
1: And instead of calling it work, realize this is play.
0: Welcome to the Restore to Explore podcast, hosted by your soulmates from The Foot Collective Australia. I'm Jim Dooner. And I'm Mac Lyon. We're on a mission to empower humans to restore their natural health and function from the ground up so they can explore movement and life with freedom and confidence. So to kick off the podcast for 2023, we have a special episode with our founder, Nick St. Louis. Nick was over from Canada at the end of last year for a few weeks and it gave our team a chance to get some great clarity on the vision for TFC and also just to play and connect in person after a few years apart. One of the biggest takeaways for us from the trip was the power of story and how crafting a new story for yourself is actually one of the major keys to having long-term sustainable change with your health and how collective stories are really the driver of changes throughout culture. And so what we want to do with CFC is really help people shift their story around their foot health, from being a victim of their genetics or their circumstances, to being an active participant on the journey towards foot freedom. In this episode, we explore this concept and give guidance on how to navigate that journey. This is a narrative that we'll continue to build on throughout the year, and so we would love to hear your feedback on how it resonates with you after you listen to the episode. And this week's episode is also brought to you by our brand new TFC Community. It's a completely free online space that we like to think of as a private community hall for humans to learn, connect, share, inspire, and support one another on the journey to foot freedom without the usual distractions of social media. Inside, you'll find a growing library of education, training and resources to help you resolve common conditions, restore natural function and explore your body's potential. To join us, just head to thefootcollective.com and you'll find the link in our show notes as well. Alright, Nick, we're back in the hot seat after a couple of years. I think our last podcast that we recorded together was... 2019 when you were here on tour and obviously there's been restrictions for you getting here Mm. Um, for anyone traveling around for the last few years but it's been you've been here for the last couple of weeks and it's been just really amazing to have you back in Australia especially to hang out with our growing team down here and to be able to to properly delve into you know, what it, what TFC really is and why we're doing what we're doing because, I mean, I think we all kind of had our own version of why and and how and what uh, when it comes to TFC, but to, to get together as a team, I mean, obviously, we talk frequently over the phone um, from across the world, but to be able to get together in person as a team and really flesh it out, it's been amazing to come to some really significant points of clarity. So that's uh, a big part of what we want to explore in this podcast.
1: Yeah, it was funny when you were setting up all the podcasting gear. You know, sometimes your phone pulls up a picture of like a memory from, you know, way back when. I remember seeing a picture of when we were doing, when we had all this podcast gear splayed out from whatever it was two, three years ago. And it just like, (laughs) as you were setting up, it made me think of that. And yeah, it's funny how much you can do in person. I think it really for me reinforced like the in-person element of connecting with other humans is so important. Mm. And I think we're on this, you know, rebound of a period of time where we couldn't really connect in person. And like you said, we, you know, we talk on the phone every two weeks, but what you can get done in one weekend with the team playing, being outside and really just free flowing ideas, uh, in a, in a continuous manner, whereas like talking every two weeks for an hour is kind of discontinuous. Um, yeah, it's pretty powerful what you can achieve. And I think, you know, it definitely re-energized me being here to get this level of clarity, to understand really, what are we trying to do? Why are we doing it? Um, And even, you know, this idea that the world is a different place than it was in 2019. Right. Mm -hmm. And this idea that every year I think it's worth reevaluating, like, what are we about? Right. Mm -hmm. What, what, if the world is changing radically, Uh, then we sort of have to look at that and say, well, how do we need to change now to better serve this new world? Mm -hmm. And uh, I think in a time of chaos and distraction, I think focus is the superpower. And I think we've been done, together we've done a good job of being able to focus our understanding of why we exist, what we want to serve, what we want to do to serve our community. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to unpack the story that we've sort of weaved that we want to uh, sort of fulfill in the coming year in 2023.
0: Same, yeah, and I guess what a big I mean, there's been a lot of clarity from your trip, but a big one, like you said, is that we we want to carve a new story for people because there's a lot of old stories that uh, hold people back and keep people stuck and lost in you know in pain um, or in frustration or just things that they're unable to do, and we see that people who come to us for help, <clears throat> people who come to us for help and for guidance, are really working towards this, I guess, destination or they're on the journey towards foot freedom. And um, we thought it'd be a really good idea to just unpack that whole story of the journey towards foot freedom and what that means and what that looks looks like for people. So
1: why don't we start by defining foot freedom? Because it's kind of a term that we've started to use a lot and I think it's a really powerful term. Um, so, you know, it's almost like each person has to almost develop their own specific definition of foot freedom and what it means to them. But I think, um, you know, the one that you had come up with earlier is a really good starting point to sort of explain how we define foot freedom to give people a, a template so that they can either adopt that as their definition. Cause I think it's a pretty powerful one or modify it to suit sort of their individual experience. So do you want to maybe unpack that one first?
0: Yeah. So I, The general definition that I thought of for foot freedom would be the ability to freely and confidently explore movement and just life in general without feeling restricted by pain or any kind of symptoms. And also without a reliance or a dependence on like external supports or external devices or technologies in order for you to feel good. Or people too. Uh, or people, yeah. 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 And I think there's a difference between relationships and connections with other people and reliance on other people. And that's a big one that we, I guess, want to um, distinguish. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, with any journey... You, de- you need to know the destination you're going towards. Um, otherwise, you sort of just you could end up just going around in circles. So if you don't have a clear understanding of the destination, then uh, it's really hard it, to get there. It's, it's very hard <laughs> to get there. And so you know that what the definition we just gave could be the one that you use and also you could add in or change anything you like in the sense that foot freedom might mean being able to run barefoot or foot freedom might be able to lift or there might be certain things that are very specific to you that you would wanna add into your definition. But at the end of the day, it's basically without you're able to do anything that you wanna be able to do without restriction from pain and also without reliance or dependence on external things. So on any journey you need to have that destination and also we're starting to develop you know a bit of a metaphor and some analogies around well you know the destination you need you then need a map to get there
1: and having the right map is really important oh yeah
0: (laughs) yeah because if you don't have the right map you could put in all of this time and energy and money and and all of these things but you're actually not heading in the right direction or you, you literally can't get to the destination because you don't have the right map and, yep. and that you could either end up in circles or you could end up in the complete opposite direction mm. <laughs> that you're trying to go to. And um, then, you know, if if you do get lost uh, and or you end up in the wrong direction, then having a compass to navigate you and to orient you to where you are and where you're heading is very helpful. And of course, on any journey, having people who are joining you on, on the journey, people there to support you and that you can support is very helpful, it makes things a lot easier and a lot more fun. And sometimes if there's you know very challenging obstacles, then having a guide or someone who's traveled that journey or that path before can also be a game changer and sometimes really necessary in order for you to get past those challenges. Yeah. So, I, think, I think
1: that's really just, that's the full stack, right? You got to know your destination. You have to have the right map for getting there. Having a compass in case you get lost or stuck is really helpful to reorient you. It's always funner with others. Uh, and often others who have maybe taken the journey before you might have helpful input um, as to how you might on- go through that journey in a more efficient way, mm-hmm. whether that's steering you away from dangers or... Um, you know giving you their cheat codes the things that they found out through trial and error that they found really helpful so instead of you having to try all the different things they tried you can just sort of you know take that nugget of wisdom and use it to make your journey a little more efficient or uh, um, more straightforward and then having that the outlet to have a guide there um, who has The only reason they're a guide and have the authority to help others is because they've explored deeper and wider than anyone else. Mm. And I think those five elements, that's kind of the story we're uh, looking to create, right? And that's sort of what's guiding us through, okay, instead of having all these disparate parts, like you have this product or this service or this content platform, it's like, this is the story of what we feel uh, helps people gain a deeper understanding of what's required to, to have success on your journey to foot freedom. And then letting that sort of cohesive story decide how do we how can we be of service um, to the people who are taking that journey, mm-hmm. and so maybe we can kind of unpack the individual elements. You know, knowing the destination, we already talked about that foot freedom, what yeah. that is,
0: and I think that's that probably leads into the the map because the conventional approach so far has actually been a different destination. There haven't been the destination for practitioners and and the way people have been trained is the destination is managing pain or mitigating pain or controlling symptoms and that's when you when that's your destination you kind of end up with a different map even though it, we were talking about how it's kind of like a smaller part of the broader foot freedom map is managing pain if that's your only destination then you end up doing things that eventually may take you further away from foot freedom and so a a very common example would be arch control supportive shoes and orthotics so they can be a, a very they can be an impressively effective tool at managing pain in the short term because they can change the way your foot is loaded and they can um you know reduce or alter loads that your foot that your foot experiences and then that can often change your pain experience you know another another example would be pain medications they obviously change your pain experience but they don't actually take you closer to foot freedom unless they are specifically prescribed in the context of where we're doing this to then facilitate an active approach that takes you closer to foot freedom
1: right yeah and it's like it's you know this well-intentioned um desire to control pain or mitigate pain or reduce pain um i think when you understand that the objective is to get to foot freedom you view pain in a different way right because if our goal is to help people become independent in understanding their body uh, they need to be able to understand pain so that it goes from the objective of just getting rid of pain or mitigating pain and viewing pain as this bad thing that we must Mm. remove um, to, well, how do we help people understand pain so that they can listen to their bodies and use pain as a really powerful (coughs) feedback loop that gets them to foot freedom? And it's not to say that the tools traditionally used to mitigate pain are no longer useful, but I think there's a new there's new variables to consider when you know your end goal is foot freedom and not simply pain mitigation. And so you have more options to weigh. Um, and maybe if you have a better understanding of pain, maybe it's not as urgent to get rid of pain. Maybe that's no longer the objective you're seeking regardless of any other, um, consequences, right? Like if, if your primary orientation is to mitigate pain, you might do things that lead you away from foot freedom. But when you know the goal and the objective is foot freedom, You might make slightly different choices with how you view pain and how you apply tools to mitigate pain so Mm -hmm. yeah it's like we've just expanded the map where people were all pointing towards this destination this this small map the destination is get rid of pain or mitigate pain and now that you have this broader map you have a bigger you have a bigger area of terrain to try and like navigate yeah um and i think it really changes things
0: for sure it's like a it's a more bird's eye view so that you can, even if you um, use the same tools, like you said, they might still be useful in certain contexts, but you know the broader picture so that you know the things to do at the same time or you know that that leads into then reducing your dependence on those tools so that yep. you can be free, so that your feet can be free. And so that's that's the, the perils, I suppose, of the old map. And that can end up, I think it gets people get misconstrued. um, People misconstrue someone seeking help because a practitioner has someone coming to them and their complaint is pain. And so to them, it's like, well, of of course, I'm going to help them get out of pain. That's what they're coming to me for. That's what they're paying me for. Mm. But at the end of the day, what most people, I think, what people truly want is that freedom, is the foot freedom. So if we then know that that's the destination that people want to get to, we need the new map to foot freedom and you know there are lots of different paths i suppose on the map towards foot freedom there's a lot of different paths you can take in general they all obviously head in the same direction but the and way- there's also
1: a, load, a lot of different places people can start right when people yeah. are coming to us or finding tfc or struggling with some sort of foot issue everyone's starting in kind of a different part of the map they all want to orient towards foot freedom but they start in different places there's infinite numbers of paths that they can take but there's a clear common destination and um, there's also you know what we've learned over the past five years together is that there's also really important checkpoints that it seems like everyone has to go through in order to achieve the objective of reaching foot freedom Mm. Um, and we call those the, the keys to foot freedom and those are kind of like our our big heuristics like the big main principles that you have to understand in order to know what boxes do I need to check in order to get to the point of foot freedom where I can then explore without being reliant like you said on people drugs external support um, and really just have the confidence that I can I've done I've worked through a baseline level of conditioning so that I can feel confident that I can now explore so maybe we can talk about the keys and how those checkpoints why we think those checkpoints are important on the new map that we're sort of putting out there
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and so these keys aren't necessarily in any specific order of importance but the first one is mindset and that is the first one for a reason because if you don't adopt a long-term mindset as in understanding that your body is a self-healing self-organizing machine that adapts specifically to what you expose it to that's like a fundamental principle of i guess human biology or just physiology in general. If you understand that, but you also accept that changes take time and it takes consistency, then you're able to sort of weather the storms that come along or you're able to, um, I guess, commit to the journey, commit to the journey rather than going, oh, I haven't, I haven't gotten there yet, I must be um, going the wrong way, or this is too hard, I'm, I, I can't do it anymore. So if you adopt that long-term mindset, then that will allow you to unlock all of the other checkpoints, basically, and allow you to have a much, um, a much e- not easier, but it's uh, you are committed to get to that destination. Yeah, and I think even just the notion, the mindset,
1: you know, if it's if it's not a rush, and the goal is not actually to get to some place necessarily, it's just to, if you trust the process and know that the goal is literally just to show up every day and do something, hmm. regardless of what that thing is. I think it's a lot easier for people to be persistent because all they have to do is a tiny little step each day, right? You don't have to make momentous changes overnight. You literally just have to show up, put a little bit of energy and effort into your process. And that can be as simple as like, go for a 10 minute walk, get your first pair of natural shoes, um, do like a 10 minute daily practice. That's like super simple and playful. So I think the long-term mindset helps people understand that small steps done consistently can result in big changes over time. And back to the first principles, I think the mindset if people adopt the mindset that um, number one pain is not something to be feared, it's a teacher that can really mm-hmm. help guide you along the way um, and also that your body is insanely advanced. I think people sort of forget I think that's one of these stories that we got to rewrite where um, most of the you know disease care world, which most people still call healthcare but has m- most to do with treating and diagnosing disease, not necessarily helping people be healthy most of that revolves around the assumption that our bodies aren't very, aren't very good, right, that they're flawed, um, they break down easily. And I think that's a false story. And I think we just have to understand that, you know, if we if we use our bodies as biology intended, our bodies work really well. And if you truly believe that your body heals itself, organizes itself, and adapts to what you expose it to, it's really just up to us to give it To expose it to better things Mm. and so when you know your body is just this magical piece of hardware that heals itself um when you understand that small steps compounded over time and done done consistently can get you really far and when you understand that pain is not the enemy that all encapsulated into the mindset element is a really strong foundation to then be able to you know work towards the other checkpoints so even though they're not necessarily hierarchical i think mindset being the first one is really important
0: for sure and the next one is footwear. And the reason we have footwear as the next one, I suppose it is almost next in the hierarchy because <laughs> your footwear... I agree. The non-existent hierarchy, but yeah. <laughs> your footwear is the primary environment of your feet. So what you wear on your feet will have generally the most direct and the most significant impact on your foot health. Agreed. Bec- so people I mean, underestimate people, that i think yeah. and just the idea that 99 percent of people are wearing footwear
1: that's actively damaging the function of their feet uh you know if we if we get that sorted it's not necessary. it it isn't the case necessarily that when you get out of unnatural footwear everything's going to fix itself right away mm. but if you don't get out of unnatural footwear you are sure to have a lot more friction along your process so mm. i think just Getting out of the unnatural footwear, which is actively causing the problem, is a huge, is is removing the primary cause of why our feet are having issues, and then gives us the opportunity to move forward and expose our bodies to better inputs, uh, and have those changes actually last instead of being reversed by going back into the shitty footwear that often causes the problem in the first place.
0: Mm-hmm. And, I mean, people have probably heard us beat this drum <laughs> over and over again, but we've started using more, uh, I guess new language around footwear. Um, I, there's a lot of uh, talk about minimalist or barefoot footwear. We're going with the terms sort of either natural or unnatural footwear. And we see that those are, are more of a spectrum rather than a, yeah. a black and white. So do you want to unpack that, um, th- that whole concept of unnatural and nat- natural?
1: Yeah, the way we write the key on the map is wear natural footwear, spend time barefoot, and gradually eliminate unnatural footwear and so i think that wording is important because really to have natural foot health to have healthy feet you don't need to spend you don't need to go barefoot all the time Mm. barefoot is good but footwear is important and it would be unrealistic for us to say never wear shoes so then it becomes a question of okay well what shoes are what shoes facilitate better foot health and what shoes um make it harder to to achieve better foot health. So natural footwear, the, I think my favorite um, sort of heuristic right now is the four Fs. So foot shaped, flat, flexible, and feel. And feel just means a thin sole so that you can actually feel the ground under you and so that your body can adapt to that that surface below you. Um, and then unnatural footwear would be sort of the other end of the continuum where shoes are, instead of foot shaped, they're pointed, which is not how the shape of our feet is supposed to be. although many people's feet have become pointed because they've spent so much time in pointed footwear. So they would be pointed, have a higher heel than forefoot instead of being flat, would be stiff and rigid instead of being flexible and might have a really thick cushioned sole or an air bubble instead of being, um, instead of having a thin sole. And that actually removes the ability of your feet, which are really sensors from feeling the ground and being able to give the right signals to your body about how to move efficiently. And I, you know, people often ask, what shoes should I buy? And I think, you know, I've always thought it to be really important. Instead of telling people what shoes to buy, help them understand what what elements to look for in footwear so that every time they buy a pair of shoes, um, they can evaluate where that shoe sits on the continuum of really natural footwear to really unnatural footwear. And if every time you buy a pair of shoes, you're moving more towards the natural end of the continuum, you're moving in the right direction. Mm. But you don't have to throw out all your shoes and get all, you know, five finger Vibrams or something like that. You just have to make sure that the the shoes you wear most often have the biggest effect on your foot health. So if you switch those over to natural footwear first, that's a really big first step. And the beauty about natural footwear is when you cover your foot with something that allows your foot to function naturally, every step you take turns into um, a mobilization and a strengthening exercise. And so the goal here is efficiency, right? It's not to have to do specific, take time out of your day to do specific things for your feet. It's If you cover your foot with a better environment, every step turns into a nudge to bring your feet back to natural function. So that's the, the footwear piece. And I agree, I think that's, you know, maybe we do have a hierarchy because I think it is, you know, I think mindset is the most important because it, it kind of trickles into everything else. And I think if we're talking about root cause, it's like, well, to get rid of the root cause, you have to understand footwear and start to wear better footwear and eliminate the footwear that's causing the problem or making it harder to solve the problem. So long as
0: they're still covering your feet so yeah Yeah. that's footwear so third one balance i guess yeah they are seeming a little bit hierarchical now that we're talking through them (laughs) because balance is really one of the primary functions of our feet and you know our balance system is made up of vestibular visual and somatosensory systems but at the end of the day we're bipedal animals we're on our two feet for most of the time while we're walking and to walk, you actually have to be able to balance on one leg. Yeah. And so our ability to balance on one leg is a really good indicator of the overall strength, coordination, stability of our feet and therefore our whole system. So we use, we're use we using the metric or the, I guess the goalpost of building towards balancing on one leg for 60 seconds with your eyes closed without touching down. Flat
1: on flat ground, on flat, ground. flat hard ground and barefoot.
0: Yeah. And that's actually impressively challenging. We mm. we were doing it the other day, and we got there, but it was ha- kind of harder than we thought. Um, but if you do that, if you even if you just do it eyes open, if you go and do that now, you'll feel your feet working. Yep. <laughs> and so, it's it's one of these things that seems simple, uh, but if you actually put in the work to to build towards that, then you will. Improve your foot function. It's like a, it's guaranteed. Yeah. So that one's pretty simple, really. If, um, and the, I think
1: it, the big thing I noticed with balance a lot of times is people viewed it as this fixed ability that was unchanging. Mm. Right. Like there's this tendency where people say, "Oh, my balance sucks. I have terrible balance." And you know, when you really understand the body as this adapting system that learns based on what you expose it to, saying I have bad balance is kind of like saying I have weak biceps. Mm. Uh, in that you know, if you work your biceps out, they get stronger. Uh, If you challenge your balance regularly, uh, your balance gets better. And better balance helps protect you from injury. Um, And it also just allows much better efficiency upstream with your whole body uh, for anything that you're doing in standing, which is quite a few things, including walking. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that balance is such a simple thing that we often overlook it. And it's really an easy thing to take for granted until it's gone. But when it's gone, um people really notice it.
0: They really notice how much they need it. Yeah. yeah. Pe- most people don't train their balance until they're, you know, older and have a fall or they have a sports injury. And then they start training it and then they're like, oh, I wish I would train it. Why didn't I just train this earlier? Right. Um the other cool thing about balance that's worth mentioning is that the activation of the vestibular system and and the process of training balance and making errors while you're training, which is a sign that you're actually working at your limit. Uh, improves neuroplasticity so your ability to learn not only that but also gives you a window of adaptability afterwards that you could learn anything better so when trying to make a change and trying to learn new skills and movement skills then neuroplasticity is pretty key and so if you can if you can increase that through balance training which you can then that will help you a lot along the way yeah and i think there's also
1: something to be said about balance where it's a it's accessible to anyone Mm. right like everyone's got different levels of balance um some people have advanced balance um, abilities some people have low balance abilities and i think the whole point with that 60 seconds eyes closed with it being reasonably challenging is that like why not set a bar that's not super easy so that you give yourself good enough balance that you're protecting yourself from injury right Mm um and the idea that anyone can work towards that right and if you're not there it doesn't mean you have it doesn't mean your body's terrible and you're going to get hurt but you know having it be sort of the standard where if you can achieve that consistently and you can retest and the beauty is you can test it it doesn't cost you a thing you can do it anytime doesn't require any equipment i think there's something very powerful in that because everyone can do this kind of balance check in to see you know i know if i sit in a plane for six hours that will be more challenging for me mm-hmm. because my hips will be sort of out of balance they've spent a huge amount of time flexed they're not going to be my deep hip stabilizers that are kind of key for balance might not be as plugged in and so just doing a little check-in and saying oh yeah i think i'm going to train my balance a little bit today because you know that six hour plane ride really took a toll on my hips mm-hmm. um and i think a balance balance training or time spent challenging my balance as recalibration time it's like i spend a lot of i spend six hours sitting my body gets kind of out of calibration um and kind of gets out of whack and just by spending you know two three minutes doing balance training or a five minute session on a soulmate or a beam i can recalibrate my system so that when i go for a walk or a run or i play game um i know i'm not going to be more at risk of moving poorly because i've kind of re kind of like debugged the system from this big dose of sitting that i got which i couldn't avoid but now i it's kind of up to me to like recalibrate things before i do any vigorous activities so Mm -hmm. it's available to anyone it's free to work on it's very simple and that 60 second standard with your eyes closed flat ground barefoot uh i think is something everyone should aspire to and when you're there uh it then acts as a check-in to kind of recheck how your balance is doing um and i think it's pretty powerful that it's something concrete and accessible and available for anyone to work on
0: Definitely. Cool. So, number four, the squat the squat yes. position. So, the squat is actually a fundamental human movement and also a resting position. So, before we had chairs, then we would spend a lot of time on the ground and to get there, we would usually squat down onto the ground and then squat to get back up. There's a lot of different ways to get up and down, obviously, but the squat was uh, one of the fundamental ways and also that is the position that we often rest in and also it is the position that we would go to the toilet in if we didn't have toilets. <laughs> yes. So, out in nature, you squat down to pee and poop unless you're standing as a man. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, hopefully, you don't have to squat down to pee. <laughs> um, but if you do, we, don't, we won't yeah, judge. <laughs> no judgment. But over time, the less time you spend on the ground, like if you look at a baby as they're developing, they have these perfect deep resting squats and they're and obviously, they're not always hanging out in a squat, but they often do. And it looks really comfortable and it looks really smooth and maybe they're a bit <laughs> unco, depending... Maybe a baby is not the best example, but as the, as the child develops, they have these beautiful deep squats and we only lose that position as adults. If you look at the vast majority of especially Western adults these days have lost that position. We yep. only lose that position because we stopped using it mm. the body is very this applies for all of this but use it or lose it and that's a bit that's a bit of an odd one for people to understand because maybe they haven't been able to squat for as long as they can remember right <laughs> but the, it is literally true that you only have lost that position because you've stopped using it and the reason you've stopped using it is chairs cars lounges toilets
1: and it starts pretty early right like when you're
0: oh yeah a kid Four, yeah, full these days I you
1: start sitting on a toilet to go poo you start sitting on a chair in school um so it starts super early and you know yeah if i remember when i went to china for a seminar you would see people in their 70s and 80s waiting for a bus and they'd be in this beautiful deep squat mm. and the only reason they're able to do that is because they never stopped using it right mm. maybe they spend time in chairs it's probably not as much as in north american cultures um but so long as you keep using the squat, you don't lose it. And I think a question that people are probably asking is like, why should I care? Why, why does the squat matter? And I think for me, the squat, um, you know, when I was in clinic treating people in the physio clinic, the squat was like this beautiful master screen where I didn't have to see how someone's ankle function was and how well their knees bent and how well their hips moved. I would just ask them to do a squat. Hmm. And it was like this global master screen to see do you have enough. Movement at all these parts, and do you have the software so that your body can do this um, triple fold movement that is mm. natural to humans and as a fundamental resting position with, with coordination. With coordination mm. and with ease, to the point where when you get down there, you're not like you know sweating and grasping for air. <laughs> and I'll never forget the first video I ever watched of Kelly Storette, This was like probably a year or two into phys- into pract- clinical practice after graduating from physio school he had this video where he was doing like a class on mobility training and he kind of asked everyone go down and do a squat barefoot hip width apart. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. And I went down to do it and I fell directly on my ass and I couldn't do it. And I was like, wow, I can't even do this basic movement. And I'm treating people in the clinic um, because they're coming to see me for movement problems and pain. And it's like, whoa, I never learned this in school. What's going on here? And it was just this light bulb moment where it's like, wow, you know, this position i've lost because i just spent so much time sitting whether it was in physio school or driving or whatever it was you know even treating people you're you're often sitting on kind of a stool uh and it just kind of the light bulb hit me where like i was nowhere near being able to do that i didn't have the ankle mobility my brain just freaked out as soon as i went below 90 degrees like the chair position um and now i use it every day and it's like one of my most comfortable resting positions so you can get it back you just have to have you know you have to deem it an important enough position, and even if it's not for the squat itself, just looking at it as this is my check-in to see whether my ankles, my knees, and my hips are moving like human joints are supposed to move.
0: Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, I, it's funny. I had the exact same experience in school, <laughs> but I'd been inspired by Ido Portal with his squat challenge, mm. and I was like, "Oh, how hard could that be?" And then I get down in the squat for like thirty seconds, and I'm like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> yeah, can hardly breathe, I, sweating. Yeah, yeah. And again, now it's it's something that. I, I've reclaimed and use every day and I still sit in chairs sometimes and I still haven't lost my squat because I use it every day. So it's yep. it's not about, you know, never sitting in chairs or never using a toilet, but as long as you're using the squat every day and like you said, it's this, it's this really good overall indicator of lower body strength, mobility, coordination. And um, so the standard that we set there yes. as a key
1: is work towards being able to adopt a resting, deep resting squat position for two minutes, uh, without shoes on standing about hip width apart. Yeah. And you know, can you hang out down there and take some deep, calm breaths and feel relaxed? And if you can't, don't worry. You're, um, most people can't initially. Um, and I think what really matters is like work towards, Work towards baby steps of being able to reclaim that position by showing up every day and doing a little bit. And that might mean starting with like an assisted squat where you're holding on to something and going down into a squat position. Um, Or starting on hands and knees and then rocking back into a squat. Like just as you expose your body to that position more and more, uh, the body becomes much more capable of being able to adopt that position. So it's just consistency and using your body and even just sitting on the floor instead of a chair it might not be the squat position, but it's exposing your hips to more mobility than they would be exposed to in the chair and bringing you closer to being able to um, restore that resting position.
0: Mm. Which actually brings us to key number five, yes. which is sitting. So yes. as we've just said, sitting is a relatively new phenomenon since the invention of chairs and, and lounges and... Chair sitting. Yeah, chair, yeah, sorry, chair sitting is a relatively new phenomenon. Whereas historically for the vast majority of our evolutionary history then if we sat we would have been sitting on the ground yep. and the ground doesn't allow you to sit with hips and knees at 90 degrees you uh, you're forced to be in deeper positions with either hip range of motion knee range of motion ankle range of motion and there's a, a, a massive variety of different ground sitting and kneeling positions that you can get into and that's basically the key is sitting itself isn't the devil um, or it's not, it's not even the problem itself but it's more the fact that you're spending so much time in one single position whereas the body is designed and our genes expect to experience a lot of different positions um, frequently throughout the day. Yep. And so when you're on the ground it can be, especially if you're not used to it, it can be insanely uncomfortable at first. But if you, when you're down there, as soon as you get uncomfortable, if you change position, that, that's like your body giving you the cue of, okay, it's time to move. Yep. And that doesn't mean you have to get up and go for a run. It just means change position and then change position again and then change position again and eventually you might actually want to have a break from sitting and go for a walk or just get up and move but it's a very different experience for in so many ways compared to just sitting in one position in a chair
1: yep and so the standard for key number five is um, work towards increasing the amount of time you're sitting on the floor Uh, instead of a chair limit your chair sitting time each day to four hours or less and if you are sitting in a chair get up and move every 30 minutes even if it's just for 10 seconds just get out of that chair sitting position expose your body to some variety get a little bit of blood flow um, and yeah just something to work towards and as time goes on you know i think the environment really gives us a nudge as to how, how we behave and so over time reducing the amount of chairs in your home and increasing the amount of floor surfaces Mm -hmm. that are welcoming and inviting whether that's like a rug or a mat or a yoga cushion uh can make a huge difference
0: yeah that's a big key that's that's one thing that i always recommend and i've found has been really powerful is to have comfy comfy inviting areas in the home that make you want to be down there because you know we've I'm not going to lie, we've still got a big lounge in our house and that's fun to lounge on sometimes. There's nothing wrong with lounging on, but we've also got a really nice rug, which Nick and I are both sitting on now. It's a nice cushy rug there's also cushions and you know just having something like that where it makes you want to get down on the ground is going to make all the difference otherwise if, if your choice is between a beautiful comfy lounge and hard wooden floorboards or tiles or something like that then it's, it's not going to be a very hard choice for you yes <laughs> it's it's going to go straight to the couch so so those
1: are the five keys and i think a good way to look at those keys is know, we talked about having this new map, right? Instead of having the old map where it's all about mitigating pain or eliminating pain, the new map is about the journey to foot freedom. Um, And along that map, I think the five keys are sort of like five checkpoints that you want to be able to work through in order to get um, to a place where you can achieve foot freedom. And we even talked about this sort of, um, you know, this metaphor of, okay, you know, Working, having this map kind of brings you to base camp. Um, and base camp, you know, if, for people who are familiar with people that are climbing Everest, base camp is this place you go to before you actually start to explore Mount Everest, before you start to climb the mountain. Um, and it's kind of a meeting place where you get all the supplies and the tools and you get ready for the journey to, um, you know, embark on this mountaineering journey.
0: Apparently, base camp's also pretty... Pretty hard slog. <laughs> is it even just getting even to base camp? Getting into base camp is like that's where most people, um that's where a lot of people will just go to and finish there.
1: Interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. So yeah. it's almost like the the five keys are checkpoints that you have to hit on your way up to base camp. And by getting to base camp, you've then uh, have a, have achieved all the standards that make you fit to explore. Hmm. And so you know, we talked about you got to know your destination, you got to have the right map um and then we talked about how it's really helpful to have a compass in case you get lost um to kind of orient you in the right direction and i think you know the compass that we've created what we call the collective compass is sort of this tool that helps people apply the five keys successfully so that they can get to base camp and are then able to explore and i think that's a good metaphor because um you know base camp doesn't necessarily getting to base camp doesn't necessarily mean in this metaphor that all your foot problems are gone, but it does mean you've put in a good chunk of work to kind of make you, um, to reduce your risk of getting injured when you do explore. And I think getting to base camp being this 42 day journey. Um, and you know, I think when you're trying to embark on any journey, having commitment, clarity and community are really important elements. Mm -hmm. And so this idea that, you know, in this new story we're weaving with TFC, Um, the collective compass is a commitment to spending 42 days working to apply the five keys as you get to base camp and when you get there you can chat with other people that have made good on that commitment and are exploring and then you're ready to explore
0: Hmm. yeah and the way we see that journey to base camp is that you're building a foundation of understanding the principles of like understanding the five keys and the principles of why they work and and how they work and um, also then first principles uh, as well
1: of how the body changes yeah
0: like yeah just the uh, really understanding that the body adapts and changes to what you expose it to um, learning how to listen to your body and and I guess listen to the way it's adapting or and tune into pain and tune into these signals that your body gives you along the way to help you know the best path to take and then also just building a foundation of good habits because good habits is really what is going to serve you in the long term. There's not much point doing, you know, just a little bit of this here, a little bit of this there um, inconsistently because the body won't actually adapt if something's inconsistent. To have true adaptation, like favorable adaptations, you need to be consistent and progressive and to to continue um, exposing your body to more and more challenge. And so the compass... The collective compass is that community of people who are either on their way to base camp and helping each other along the way and sharing their sharing their journey with others to inspire others or to learn from others. Um, and then from base camp, exploring different paths, uh, to, which is basically whatever they think is or whatever they feel is their version of foot freedom. So that might be, for someone that might be going for a barefoot run. Um, for someone that might be, being able to go and climb a tree or it might actually literally be barefoot hiking (laughs) or or anything, but you need to at least have those foundations first before you can really safely and effectively go and do those, do that exploration.
1: Yeah. And it's, you know, the worst thing is going out and being really excited to explore and then hurting yourself and realizing Mm -hmm. well, I didn't, I didn't have a foundational baseline of balance or, um, you know i didn't really understand what to look for in footwear so it turns out my feet aren't really strong enough to support this uh playful exploration that i want to go on so yeah i think you know in terms of like what do we offer in this collective compass which was formerly called HealthKit? um we've sort of been working on this since 2020 um building sort of like a digital you know i think there's An opportunity here to differentiate between like an online course which is really just information and that's kind of where we started with our um, education right we did the uh, in-person seminars which were great to connect with people and spread education and then we had the digital version of our education which could reach a lot more people because it didn't require us to go there and was much more affordable and the problem with online courses is it's really just a, a dose of information which if you didn't have that information previously can be helpful the problem is is that I don't think really what people need is more information. I think Mm -hmm. what they need is clarity and help in applying the information. And I think when, you know, when you're trying to apply this information, which is not, you know, even the five keys are pretty simple, but simple doesn't always mean easy, right? Being able to truly implement those five keys in your life um, will surely have challenges at certain points along the way. So the collective compass really helps people apply the five keys um, by giving them different, different sort of baby steps to take with each, with each of the keys so that they can, you know wherever they're starting, there's some step that's listed there that they can take to work towards whatever checkpoint they're working towards getting to. Um, and another important part is that it connects you with other people who are also on that similar journey, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's always more fun when other people join you. Um, and it's really helpful to have other people be able to share their stories and their challenges and what they did to overcome them which can kind of inspire you and inform you to um, push through whatever obstacle you're facing. Cause if you're facing a challenge, it's, it's likely that someone else is also facing that or multiple people are also facing that. And by sharing our own stories, we sort of help other people, help empower other people to overcome their obstacles by just sharing how we um, overcame them. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know, that was one of sort of the elements we listed initially. It's know your destination, have the right map, bring a compass and, take the journey with other people, because it's way more fun. Uh, it's really helpful to have other people go with you, whether that means um, receiving support, or even supporting others as they're going through the journey. And so through the collective compass, you're connected with other people, you're given more details on how to apply the five keys successfully in your life. Um, you're presented with a base commitment of those 42 days trekking up to base camp gives you like a a commitment you can hold yourself accountable to, right? When you make a promise to yourself to spend, okay, I'm going to spend 30 minutes a day for 42 days. I'm going to write in a journal each day to say what I did to show up. It's really a powerful way to hold yourself accountable to to consistently showing up, so that you can actually have these adaptations happen. Hmm. So you can build the foundational habits that um, allow you to then explore um and have sort of like you know the balance the mobility the strength all of the individual elements that create resilience so that you don't have to get cut short cut short on your exploration because you've gotten hurt it's not to say that you won't get hurt but you have a much lower likelihood and you have the tools to be able to sort of restore areas of your body if they do um, encounter some sort of challenge
0: so that's it yeah exactly and then the other aspect that we want to in-build into this story and into this community is people who have explored these paths and these you know treks, these trails so deeply and so many times and in, in lots of different ways that they can guide other people along that journey as well. So we currently have a community of foot nerds who are people who, who have sort of shown proof of work of um, applying a lot of these principles in their lives and building these foundations and we also have a big community of professionals and practitioners and the way we see it is that you can really only help someone explore as far as you've explored yourself so you can't really take someone to the the foot freedom you can't really take someone to explore foot freedom if you haven't done it yourself Um, and so you no matter what practitioner or, or, or no matter what degree you have or you know what kind of professional you are um what really matters is how much you've how much self-exploration you've done and also how much you've helped other people explore as well yeah but to have guides in this community that can get people from you know from The get-go to base camp and then can help people explore all these other beautiful, fun paths, I think is a really special part of it all as well.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, the guides, like you said, the guides are the ones exploring most broadly and deeply. And that's really what prepares them to be of service and help others, not letters beside their name or certification they've done. Um, And really guides are the ones who are sort of constantly uh, sharpening up the map, making sure that the map is actually uh, you know, that those checkpoints are the most valid checkpoints to get Mm. to foot freedom. Uh, you know, the guides are the ones exploring deeply themselves, but they're also working with other people who are going from ground level to base camp or even exploring. And so they're, you know, they're getting, they're receiving all this feedback through their personal experience, through dialogue with one another and through helping others. And they have all this information that we can then plug back into the compass to make sure that the compass is being sort of calibrate recalibrated in real time so that it's most accurate for everyone else. Um, And they're also just really verifying that the map is an accurate outlay of what is the best, what are the most accurate checkpoints to get to Fook freedom. And so I think that stack of, you know, someone just starting out when they come into our TFC community and we're going to be sort of really working at the start of 2023. You know, right now it's November 30th when we're recording this. Starting in January, we're going to work towards realizing this vision of integrating all these different communities that we've created at TFC. Whether that's you know the Australian community or our YouTube community or Instagram or Facebook, all these disparate communities that aren't really connected necessarily to each other, um, bring them all into one clean container that's free of distraction. Right? Like when you go on social media, it is a great platform for us to broadcast education, but there's a lot of distraction there. Right? Mm-hmm. There's ads. Um, there's a lot of other noise in the system. So integrate all these different communities into a distraction-free platform that connects people together digitally, that helps us facilitate in-person experiences, and that makes the journey to foot freedom really clear in that, you know, once you come in, you get the map. Everyone gets the map, and you can join the community for free. Um, You get the map if you'd like to make a commitment to um, getting to base camp, then you can purchase the compass and you commit 30 minutes a day for 42 days to get up to base camp. Um, and once you're there, you can explore freely. Uh, if you need help, there's pros in the community and there's guides in the community and they're there to serve the network. And, and, you know, the pros are there to serve the network. If people run into trouble, the pros are there to help, especially if you want to go in person. Um, and the guides are there to sort of lead the community right to like inspire people lead by example and to be available if people in the community need help navigating their exploration or if they get stuck at some point um, they can reach out to a guide for help and so that's sort of you know the layers of this new ecosystem that that we're going to work to create and i think that clarity is something that's been missing um at tfc until now and it's you know we're on our own journey um and you know, we explored widely and created all these different projects that were cool in their own respect, but it didn't really have this anchoring to tie everything together to connect everyone in our community together and to have sort of like a, really a story that makes sense. Right. And now I think we have that. So it's pretty exciting. You know, once we have clarity, it becomes a lot easier to make sure everyone in our community can have more clarity on their own personal journeys. So Mm -hmm. yeah, a lot of, um, a lot can be done in a couple of weeks together in person. Clearly,
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I uh, can't wait to see what happens in the, over you know a couple of months. Um, although obviously you'll be going back to Canada, um, but we'll be we'll be working pretty hard here on the ground with our team to start developing all of these things and to um, create this container and then like you said, we wanna facilitate as much of the in-person experiences as possible. And that goes for our team and getting you over more frequently or us meeting up. Um, it goes for you know our whole sort of footnote community and just, just the TFC community in general. And that's one of the big things we wanna facilitate is much more of these just casual meetups or gatherings where people can get together, share their experiences, um, play together, explore together. And I think there's, you know, really we want to use the digital community to obviously empower people with all of those, you know, the tools and and understanding that they need, but more so to facilitate those in-person connections because that's what really, I think, makes life much more worth living and it makes the journey a lot more special and a lot more fun.
1: Yeah, I think we... You know, if we do this right, it really means helping people help each other um, and having everyone be on the same team where if we're all connected together and we're all working to evolve these tools together to sharpen the map, to evolve the compass, then every time someone has this insight or every time someone has a creative way of overcoming that chal- a challenge they face, um, by plugging them back into the compass, by sharing their story with the community, everyone then has access to be inspired by um, by that by that experience mm-hmm. and i think that's really what it's about right is create this really rich web of people being able to connect with each other either digitally or or and eventually in person um and for people to know that they're not alone in this journey and um that you know together we can learn so much faster and so much more than we can when we're alone and that applies to pros that applies to guides and that applies to just individual members of the community, you know, maybe someone joins, they get the map and they want to go on their own solo journey and that's fine. Um, Then being able to connect with other people, I think is, is really important. Um, Those who need some direction, you know, the compass is going to be this evolving tool that just gets better over time. The more people that use it, the more people that give feedback, the better this thing gets. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's not just this static thing. It's this dynamic changing thing that, gets better as more people use it uh, and then becomes more helpful for the people who um, end up using it in future. So yeah, pretty exciting.
0: Very exciting. That's probably a good place to wrap it up. Yep. We, um, we'll put a link in the show notes with um, something that you can just click on and, and enter your details if you want to be kept in the loop about when all of this is going to become available and how to join the community. And Otherwise, yeah, just stay tuned for updates on social media. We'll be putting out everything through there and also through our emails. So, yeah, we just can't wait to, I guess, make all of this available and, and keep crafting this story together and with all of you as well. Yeah, thanks for listening. Thank you. Catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Restore to Explore podcast. To stay up to date with all things TFC, join our brand new free community. Inside you'll find a growing library of education, training and resources to help you resolve common conditions, restore natural function and explore your body's potential with a community that's there to support you along the way. To join, just head to thefootcollective.com or you'll find the link in our show notes.